section five of seeking a human space flight program worthy of a great nation this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by betty b seeking a human space flight program worthy of a great nation by the review of u s human space flight plans committee chapter two point o u s human space flight historical review in human space flight as in other endeavors a review of the past can help provide perspective in planning for the future this chapter noting the findings of some earlier space program assessments seeks to provide such perspective in nineteen sixty one president john f kennedy forcefully and publicly focused the nation's nascent space program on a single goal u s astronauts would set foot on the surface of the moon before the end of the decade and return safely more feasible than a mission to mars and with better prospect of preceding the soviets than seeking to develop an orbiting space station the lunar landing would ensure u s standing as the leader in the world's most prominent exploration competition kennedy's challenge to nasa and the nation was an audacious one given that at the time he made it in nineteen sixty one no american had even reached earth orbit president kennedy markedly accelerated the u s space program but he did not initiate it nasa was established in nineteen fifty eight president dwight eisenhower supported human missions to low earth orbit and beyond but he emphasized fiscal restraint in the effort according to george lowe at the time nasa chief of manned spaceflight a desirable lunar program should have project costs kept in balance with expected returns and within the foreseeable nasa budget by the nineteen sixties the drive to meet the end of decade goal superseded those restraints the outcome of the so-called space race was not a foregone conclusion among numerous soviet achievements it was a cosmonaut who was the first human to orbit the earth and another to first conduct extra vehicular activity the u s mercury and gemini programs achieved their objectives of developing and flight testing the kinds of equipment and procedures that would be needed in a lunar mission but in nineteen sixty seven with less than three years remaining before the deadline set by president kennedy fire broke out in the pure oxygen environment of the apollo one command module during a ground test resulting in the death of the three astronauts on board despite the delay from the accident and its aftermath on july twentieth nineteen sixty nine neil armstrong and buzz aldrin of apollo eleven became the first humans to set foot on a celestial body beyond our own while mike collins orbited above preparing for the return to earth ten more astronauts on five more apollo missions would reach the lunar surface big goals are energizing for individuals and for national efforts see figure two one but the problem with focusing on a single all-consuming objective is the letdown that can ensue after the objective is achieved public interest appeared to wane during the course of succeeding lunar missions nasa had ambitious set of plans 
to follow apollo space stations would orbit the earth a more permanent lunar presence would be established by 1982 proposed hardware included a space tug and a nuclear powered shuttle the first crewed landing on mars would take place by the mid 1980s by 1990 there would be 100 humans in low earth orbit 48 on the moon and 72 on mars and its moons most of that never came to pass since 1972 the year of the last apollo lunar mission no human has ventured farther from the earth's surface than 386 miles president richard nixon did not end the space program but he did much to scale it back the trajectory of the nasa budget shifted downward the nixon administration was responding not only to the perceived decline in public support for far-reaching human space exploration but also to the economic decline at the time when a task group established by the administration presented options that included a lunar return and a program aimed at mars the president confined the nation's crew carrying space ventures instead to low earth orbit the keystone of the redefined initiative was the space shuttle the reusable departure from the expendable transport systems used until that time capable of launching as a rocket and landing as an aircraft the economic case for the shuttle was that it would provide dependable high frequency access to orbit with relatively low cost government payloads both civil and military would be delivered aboard the orbiter as well as commercial satellites on some missions the vehicle would serve as an orbiting laboratory despite its unprecedented technical complexity the shuttle's development budget was constrained eliminating design options such as a fully reusable two-stage configuration the first space shuttle reached orbit in april 1981 a little less than a decade after president nixon announced the program in 1972 launch frequency never approached original expectations and the cost per mission turned out to be far greater than what was forecast the plan to launch on nearly a weekly basis was cut to 24 flights per year and even that proved unattainable by january of 1986 five orbiters had flown four test flights and 20 operational missions on the morning of january 28 1986 space shuttle challenger was destroyed in an explosion 73 seconds after launch the accident claimed the lives of all seven crew members the presidential commission that investigated the accident chaired by william rogers called for measures to correct critical design flaws in the shuttle as well as to correct management shortcomings it identified at nasa the commission advocated reasonable expectations for the shuttle program urging that the space agency establish a flight rate that is consistent with its resources after the shuttle had been flying a variety of missions for a number of years its primary purpose evolved to constructing and supporting space stations both the u.s and the soviet union began operating orbiting platforms for research and other functions in the early 1970s in his 1984 State of the Union address, President Ronald Reagan announced plans to construct what became known as Space Station Freedom. J. 
james beggs nasa administrator at the time called this permanent orbiting facility the next logical step in space exploration for president reagan the international project served as an element of foreign policy helping to reinforce ties with allied nations later after the end of the soviet union but before any joint space station was built the station concept was promoted as a means to help foster cooperation with the former adversary in fact freedom was never built the decade following the reagan announcement saw a long series of design studies redesigns and cost reassessments eventually the original initiative which included the u s europe japan and canada was expanded by joining forces with russia to build the international space station before construction began on the international space station the u s was building experience with the russians flying shuttle missions to the mir space station and flying nasa astronauts on soyuz vehicles to long duration mir missions what tasks should a space station perform long term what should the united states be seeking to accomplish in space in 1985 the sense in congress was that it was not getting an adequate response from nasa and the white house so through legislation it directed the establishment of an independent commission to examine these questions former nasa administrator thomas paine chaired the national commission on space which developed a half-century roadmap for the u s civil space program among numerous recommendations the commission counseled against focusing efforts on a single objective on the apollo model with nothing to follow it stressed program continuity so there would not be another gap like the one between the end of apollo and the beginning of the shuttle and it departed from the policy that had prevailed over the previous decade limiting operational focus to low earth orbit humans were to return to the moon by 2005 and reach mars by 2015 the impact of the Payne commission report was diminished by timing the challenger accident occurred during the course of the commission's inquiry in 1989 on the 20th anniversary of the apollo 11 moon landing president george h w bush announced the space exploration initiative which supported a number of the objectives spelled out in the earlier Payne report, such as missions to the moon and Mars. In the same speech, the president asked Vice President Dan Quayle to lead a National Space Council, which would determine the requirements to fulfill the initiative. NASA Administrator Richard Truly, in turn, established a task force to support that inquiry. Among the findings of this 90-day study, the projected total cost of the proposed lunar and mars projects over 34 years would be an estimated 541 billion dollars in 1991 dollars in 1990 congress zeroed the budget of the space exploration initiative president bush vice president quayle and the space council called for a fresh assessment of the long-term prospects of nasa and the u.s civil space program to provide that assessment an advisory committee was established chaired by norman r augustine which raised numerous issues starting with the lack of a national consensus on space program goals 
Within NASA, the committee found an overextended agency with shortcomings in budget, project development, personnel practices, and other areas of management, and the committee cited the need for a heavy lift launch vehicle and a space program balanced between human and robotic flight. The committee said the U.S. Civil Space Program is overly dependent upon the space shuttle for access to space. The committee also stated that the statistical evidence indicates that we are likely to lose another space shuttle in the next several years. Among its prescriptions for improvement, the committee presented a new approach for long-range planning of space exploration projects in which programs would be tailored to respond to the availability of funding rather than adhering to a rigid schedule that failed to recognize the impact of funding changes. Twelve years later, on February 1, 2003, the nation did lose another shuttle. Columbia, the first orbiter to reach space 22 years earlier, was destroyed during re-entry with the loss of all seven members of its crew. The Columbia Accident Investigation Board documented the physical cause of the accident, but also cited organizational and communications failures within NASA that allowed the critical damage to occur and go unaddressed. The report went on to cite a lack over the past three decades of any national mandate providing NASA a compelling mission requiring human presence in space. Throughout NASA's history, while human spaceflight efforts garnered the most national attention, the agency continued to launch satellites, deep space probes, and rovers of even greater sophistication. The success of robotic missions such as the Voyager spacecraft to the outer planets fostered debate over the relative value of robotic versus human space exploration. In 1999, NASA Administrator Dan Golden chartered a small internal task force, the Decadal Planning Team, which later evolved into a larger agency-wide team known as the NASA Exploration Team to investigate the best ways to coordinate human and robotic missions. These teams followed a series of architecture studies over the previous decade, such as the report of General Thomas Stafford and the Synthesis Group, all aimed at charting a renewed course of space exploration. The work of the two NASA teams helped provide the basis for a new policy established by President George W. Bush in 2004, the vision for space exploration. In announcing the vision, the President acknowledged the numerous tangible benefits of space missions in areas such as communications and weather forecasting, but the central purpose he stressed, as reflected in the name of the policy, was exploration, continuing the American tradition of discovery in uncharted territory. The new initiative echoed the earlier Eisenhower policy, fly well beyond Earth's realm, but do it on a fiscally sustainable basis. Leading the agenda set out in the vision was completion of the ISS by 2010. One reason cited was to meet the nation's obligations to its international partners. Another was to investigate the effects on human biology of extended exposure to the space environment, thereby helping to develop the means to sustain astronauts 
on subsequent long-duration missions. At least initially, the vision did not stress the role of the ISS as a laboratory for other kinds of research. Completion of the ISS depended on returning the space shuttle to flight once safety concerns raised in the Columbia accident investigation were sufficiently addressed. Exploration beyond low Earth orbit under the vision plan was focused on the moon, starting with robotic missions no later than 2008, followed by human return to the lunar surface by 2020. Once a human presence is well established on the moon, the president said, we will then be ready to take the next steps of space exploration, human missions to Mars and to worlds beyond. At the time he announced the vision, President Bush also appointed a commission, chaired by E.C. Pete Aldrich, Jr., to develop recommendations for implementing the plan. Among its recommendations, the commission said that NASA should aggressively use its contractual authority to reach broadly into the commercial and nonprofit communities to bring the best ideas, technologies, and management tools into the accomplishment of exploration goals. Through its Commercial Orbital Transportation Services, COTS, program, NASA solicited proposals for private sector transport of cargo and possibly crew to the International Space Station. Three awards were made, one of which was subsequently canceled by NASA for failure to meet milestones. In announcing the vision, President Bush noted that America has not developed a new vehicle to advance human exploration in space in nearly a quarter century. Proposals for a next-generation space vehicle had long been considered, but with the loss of Columbia and with a mandate from the new presidential policy to focus on the completion of the ISS and then retire the space shuttle, NASA affirmatively began preparing for near-term retirement of the shuttle. A newly constituted Exploration Systems Mission Directorate led the task of developing the shuttle's successor. Initially, NASA chose a broad concept maturation, risk reduction, and technology investment approach to developing exploration systems. In 2005, after Dr. Michael Griffin became administrator, NASA undertook the Exploration Systems Architecture Study, ESAS, to select vehicles and systems in keeping with the vision. The team evaluated hundreds of potential configurations. A leading objective was to minimize the gap between the last shuttle flight and the first flight of the new vehicle. A date of 2012 was set for that first flight. Another criterion spelled out in the 2005 Authorization Act for NASA was to make use as much as possible of assets and infrastructure carried over from the shuttle program. Since the new system, actually a family of vehicles, would likely have a decades-long service life, it was to have the capability of not only reaching low Earth orbit, but also extending to the moon and beyond. The lunar objective would be to do more than replicate what Apollo had accomplished long before. The architecture would support larger crews and longer missions, capable of reaching any location on the moon and returning. The results of the vehicle system selection process evolved into what is now known as the Constellation Program, consisting of Ares launch vehicles, 
Orion Crew Capsule, the Altair Lunar Lander, and Lunar Surface Systems. Today, budget questions continue to dominate the human spaceflight debate. In the 37 years since humans last ventured beyond low Earth orbit, and five years after announcement of the vision for space exploration, consensus is still lacking about what is feasible and affordable in the future course of U.S. human spaceflight. End of section 5